Larry Dorman, and welcome to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast for Council 4 of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees in New Britain. We are proud to represent 30,000 hardworking women and men throughout Connecticut. And our guest today is Lindsay Farrell, and she is the State Director of the Working Families Party in Connecticut. Lindsay, we're thrilled to have you, and please tell us a little bit about the history and background of Working Families Party in Connecticut. Sure. We've been in Connecticut for about a decade and a half. Uh, We came together from a bunch of labor organizations and community organizations who felt like the political conversation was going in the wrong direction in this state and in this country. And so we fight on economic and racial justice issues. And we have two pieces to our strategy. One is to do the issue advocacy and the community organizing and the grassroots organizing um, to put pressure on elected officials to make things happen on, on issues that affect people's lives. And the other piece is to actually put people into office who are going to champion those values and, and fight for them every day, whether or not they're pushed to do so. So, Lindsay, can you tell us about some of the previous accomplishments of Working Families Party in Connecticut? Sure. Uh, We led the charge to um, make Connecticut, at the time, it was the the first state to have a paid sick day standard for some employers. Um, We pushed to uh, get Connecticut to be the first state at a 10-10 minimum wage. We're very um, happy to work with with you guys on the retirement security program to create a public option for retirement savings. Um, So those are some of the issues that we've worked on, healthcare issues, education and equity, those kinds of things. Tremendous. And that's, we will talk briefly about some of that. Um, So let's cut right to it. Um, We have a new governor, a new legislature, and um, Working Families is is leading the charge, or certainly one of the groups leading the charge on um, an issue that a lot of people need some understanding about, and that's paid family and medical leave. Um, Talk about what you're doing with that issue and what the legislation looks like so far. Sure. So we've been working on this issue for about five years. And I think that's a big piece of why it was such a popular issue for candidates to talk about this year. And we're delighted that we get to work with a governor who campaigned on this issue. So currently, uh, the only policy that we have around leave for medical reasons or family medical reasons is FMLA. And the Uh, There are two major problems with that. One is that it only covers employers with 50 or more employees, which means in Connecticut about half of the workforce doesn't benefit from the job protection that 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 law offers. Uh, And the other problem is that it doesn't guarantee pay for anyone. So even if somebody... can uh, rely on their job being there for them when they come back. A lot of people can't take time to take care of their family or to take care of their their own health issues because they just can't afford to miss work for weeks on end. So we're working on a program that would be paid for by a small payroll deduction from every employee in the state of Connecticut um, who's in the program, uh, about one half of 1%, and that would fund wage replacement uh, so that when people were on leave, they would be able to pay their bills and you know keep a roof over their heads and not have to worry about going on unemployment insurance or anything like that. And uh, the legislation's still being hashed out. The governor released his bill um, yesterday, and the labor committee got a, a bills out on Tuesday. There's right. a little bit of difference between the two, but we do feel like we can work with this governor, Governor Lamont, to get to a, a fair 
proposal that is going to give people a lot of economic security at a time in their lives when they need it the most. And people will be able to use that leave uh, if they have a baby or their partner has a baby or if they adopt a child and they can use it for their own serious medical condition, if you, you know, heart attack, cancer, major life events like that, or for somebody in their, in their family if somebody in their family needs them to take care of them because they're sick. Connecticut right now is surrounded entirely by states who have already passed similar programs. Um, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey all have uh, up and running paid leave programs or they're in the process of implementing them now. Mm. So uh, we just we can't afford not to do it, especially right. in a state like ours where we have a hard time retaining young people, millennial families who are worried about their parents who are aging and if they're going to need care, who are thinking about starting their own families and having children and wondering what security am I going to have if I, you know, if I have a baby and I start my own family. If we want to be competitive in, in a modern economy, we absolutely have to get this done this year. The next issue that I wanted to speak with you and, and get some insight on, uh, again, working families, is uh, helping lead the charge on increasing the state minimum wage. You know, can you talk about that and what the need is for this legislation? Sure. We are we are pushing for the minimum wage to be raised to $15. We are part of the Fight for 15 movement. Um, and we want to make sure that we get there soon enough that that the, that that increase really means something for workers. So uh, we're pushing to get there by 2022 or 2023 at the latest. And that would be a real increase for workers across Connecticut. Um, Connecticut is an expensive state to live in. It's a rich state. So if we, you know, we absolutely have to do that here to give people the security that they need so that they can afford the rent and afford the cost of living here in Connecticut. Right. Um, some of the things that we are pushing for is to not only to get there by a reasonable time frame, but also to make sure that we don't erode any progress for tipped workers. You know, tipped workers are servers mm -hmm. and bartenders don't um, don't earn the whole minimum wage. Connecticut yeah. uh, has a, a tip credit, which means that those employees are only entitled to a certain percentage of the minimum wage. And, you know, it's a it's a racist, it's a sexist policy because, um, you know, the folks who rely on those jobs tend to be women, they tend to be people of color, and it puts people in a position where they have to tolerate bad behavior from customers and things like that right. because they're so reliant on tips. So we want to make sure that we don't further erode that wage, um, and I, I think we're going to be able to make sure that we keep a strong tipped wage here in Connecticut, too. I get so frustrated by politicians who say, oh, the minimum wage jobs, they're just entry-level jobs, they're just for teenagers. It's like, how out of touch are you? Do you go out into the world and do your own shopping? You know, if you go if you go to uh, the grocery store, if you go to any kind of store, go to get any kind of service done, you know, most people who make minimum wage are adults. Um, Four-fifths of them are 20 or older. 60% uh, of minimum wage workers in Connecticut are women, and a lot of them are parents. Um, you know, the average, I think the average age of a minimum wage worker in the United States is 34. So it's, uh, it's definitely not, uh, yeah. it's definitely not something that just affects teenagers. Right. These are working, right. working and, people. Are right. They're working people. The and, and to yeah. the extent that they're, they're a little bit younger in their 20s, they're people who are, you know, trying to contribute to their family financially, or they are worried about getting their uh, getting their degree and being able to afford a higher education so that they, um, you know, have more opportunities in life. So, 
you know, education is very expensive in this country too. So when we say, oh, it's just students, well, students have some real financial responsibilities as well. So if you, you know, if you live, you're looking at Connecticut, you're looking at the surrounding states, and you're an 18-year-old, if you go across the border to New York, uh, the minimum wage is already headed towards $15 an hour. College is free. And when you decide to have a family someday, they already have paid family and medical leave. We have to be competitive with our neighboring states and make Connecticut an attractive place to live for working people. Yeah, and again, just talking about other states, but Connecticut is arguably um, the wealthiest state on a per capita income basis. So, uh, you know, it's not that we don't have the capacity. It's not that we're lacking the capacity to do this. Absolutely not. Connecticut um, is the high has the highest threshold to be in the one percent, meaning that wealth is concentrated at such a, a higher level at um, seven hundred. It's over seven hundred thousand dollars for right. year for a household. Yeah, that's how much money you have to be to be in the one percent in Connecticut. It's hmm, um, so we are, we are a very rich state. We can afford to take care of ourselves. We can afford to move forward on these issues. And our guest is uh, Lindsay Farrell. She is the state director of Working Families Party in Connecticut. And um, at the top of the show, you mentioned, obviously, you are a a political and electoral advocacy organization, and we appreciate the work you've done over the years. But maybe you could talk about the importance of why you engage in in electoral action, Mm -hmm. which is to say, you know, electing um, the right kind of people into political office, uh, whether it's at the state legislature or local boards and commissions. Can you expound on that? Sure. You know, we do the the grassroots organizing and the advocacy to put pressure on politicians around these issues, but it is just so much better when we don't have to, when we elect people who share our values, who fight for workers, uh, because they want to, not because we're making them. So we do a bunch of things uh, involving the electoral process to put better people in office who share our values. Um, We do a lot of candidate recruitment and a lot of candidate training on how to manage a campaign, how to run for office yourself, how to tell your story in a way that's compelling to voters, how to do field uh, field campaigning, campaign finance and fundraising, communications, all of those things. Mm. Um, And then we also do a lot of strategic and material support for candidates. We had a very exciting year in 2018, a Mm. lot of good pickups um, in the legislature. And obviously, we're happy to have elected Ned Lamont governor and... And uh, one of the the biggest victories I think that we've had is uh, Julie Kushner ran for state senate out in the Danbury area. She is a former co-chair of the Working Families Party. And so we know where her heart is on all of these issues. Um, And we know that she's incredibly dedicated to workers and to our progressive values. She took out, you know, she took out a Republican incumbent in a district where Republicans have held that seat since the early 90s. And uh, the the guy she beat um, was a he was bad news. I mean, he voted against minimum wage increases and paid family medical leave and things like that. He introduced a birther bill. Uh, He was pretty radical. Um, So we are glad to have played a role in getting rid of him and replacing him with somebody who was a true gladiator on these issues. Right. And and, and Julie Kushner, of course, um, was a union member, a rank and file union member Mm -hmm. and leader. So that clearly th- those are the kinds of folks you're trying to um, right. recruit. And the, and the director of UAW. And the director for, regional for, director yeah, of United yeah, Auto Workers. Yeah, for years. So, yeah. yeah, and, um, you know, you, you can already kind of see a difference at the legislature with people who are genuinely committed uh, to working people. 
Right. I mean, the past two years, we were worried about issues like right to work. And, and I, you know, I don't have to describe to you all the attacks on pay, pension, and health care for public employees. And now we're having a conversation about what the language on a paid family leave bill or a, fi- uh, a $15 minimum wage bill is right. going to be. So it's just a, a totally different tone with the right, right folks in office. Obviously, we're, we're quite impressed. And it's, uh, it's wonderful that you're doing the good work that you and your staff are at uh, work, the Working Family Party in Connecticut. So, Lindsay Farrell, I'm director of Working Families Party. I want to thank Thank you for joining us. Um, before we close it out, do you just want to throw out any website, any social media um, links that uh, people can look sure. up? Sure. Um, you can find us on Facebook um, at CTWFP, and uh, our website is workingfamilies.org slash Connecticut. That's the whole national website, and then there's a specific page for, for our operation here in Connecticut. And on Twitter, we are at CTWFP. Um and I also want to thank I want to thank you. AFSME Council Four has been a tremendous partner. They understood the vision of what WFP could accomplish and the role that we could play in politics here in Connecticut a decade and a half ago, and was one of the early organizations to support and invest and and uh, put time into. And we really appreciate that partnership. Uh, well, that's nice of you to say that. And for our listeners, um, if you want to do something um, helpful and substantive um, based on this conversation, please urge your legislators wherever you live to support paid family and medical leave and to support increasing the minimum wage. I mean, there are many other bills, but um, those are two concrete steps that will will raise the floor and make things better for um, average working, everyday working people in this state. So thank you again, Lindsay Farrell. Thanks for having me. I'm Larry Dorman, and you've been listening to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our AFSCME Council 4 Labor Union. And you can find us online and on all social media platforms using the keywords AFSCME Council 4. Thanks for listening, and remember, unions built the middle class.